0: welcome to real men connect are you ready to be the extraordinary man husband father and leader god called and created you to be then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man god's way no judgment no shame just real men with real challenges seeking real change all for god's glory
1: Hey, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us Trey Tucker. Trey Tucker. And Trey is a professional counselor who has over 14 years experience working with men and adolescents to help them fully become who God created them to be. Trey holds an MA in professional counseling from Liberty University, an MBA from the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga, and a BS degree in public relations from the University of Florida. And me being from Miami, I won't hold that against Trey today. (laughs) And as a men's ministry leader and licensed man coach, I'm frequently asked by men about counseling particularly when it comes to marriage and pornography addiction. Now, after doing my due diligence, I found Trey, and I had the pleasure of sitting down with him for lunch and discussing his work in counseling. Now, Trey counsels men and couples in a variety of areas, including anxiety, depression, grief and loss, anger management, sexual and pornography addiction, substance abuse, and even self-esteem issues, and as well as helping couples with pre and pre-engaged counseling, developing healthy communication, and healing from wounds and betrayal. I'm so excited about having Trey on the show today, and because I wanted him to talk to us about men and counseling and our issues with it, and how to go about getting the help and healing that we need to succeed as husbands and fathers and leaders. So with that being said, let me welcome Trey to the show. Trey, thank you for being on the Real Men Connect podcast. Joe, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. And and so have I, Trey. Since our our meeting, uh, I guess it was a few weeks ago, uh, maybe a little bit longer than that, I've been on the road so long, I forgot now. But um but I know that um it was very important for me to reach out to you. Because as I mentioned in your intro, that I have a lot of men approaching me um, about counseling. They always come to me, ask me about who do I recommend as a counselor. And yes, I do coaching, but coaching is not the same as counseling. And we're going to dive a little bit into that. But I wanted to bring you on because one, I was impressed when I met you. And also your, your compassion and heart towards men, I think, could help men get over this, quote, stigma that we have when it comes to getting counseling. But Trey, before we get into that, you know, I always ask men who are on our show to give us their favorite Bible verse that inspires them from the Word of God. So what is yours, Trey?
2: My favorite would have to be 2 Corinthians 3.17. That one is where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And for me, it's all about the presence of God, and that is God's Spirit and where He is, where He's present. There we are free and free to become the person, the man that He
1: created us to be. Now, is there any particular reason why that inspires you so much? Why, why that one? That one sums up, ultimately, my life mission. Uh,
2: I spent I spent quite a few years, pretty much thinking I had everything together, and not even knowing that I didn't have it together. But, at, long story short, I realized I really wasn't free, and so that verse that talks about freedom and really defines freedom as the presence of God. That one is the one that keeps the target in focus for me, whether I'm mm-hmm. working with a client or talking to a friend.
1: Okay, and that kind of allowed me to transition to getting to your story because, you know, I read your credentials off in the beginning. And Trey, you didn't always start out in counseling. So if you don't mind, give us uh, some highlights of your story about what inspired you to go into Christian counseling in the first place. And and I mentioned Christian counseling. You also do counseling in the secular community as well. Is that correct?
2: It is. In fact, most, I guess probably more than half of the clients that I see either don't have a spiritual interest coming in or specifically have been wounded from some church experience or some other spiritually related experience. So while they while they do want some sort of Christian component, they're not too sure how deeply they want to dive into it. So a bulk of my time is, is focusing on what some would call more secular issues first as we work toward right. more of the root issues.
1: And Trey, I got to tell you already, you've already um, just kind of um, prodded my spirit a little bit that I think that's another reason we need to bring you back on the show, even to talk about the hurt. That Christianity can cause men, because that has kept um, a lot of us away from drawing closer to Christ and growing, drawing closer to men, and that's a whole different topic. But, um, but I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm gonna put a note to myself to um, maybe see if we can possibly bring you back on to talk about that in detail. But so let's get into your story. What got you into counseling in the first place? How did you? come about this career?
2: For me, it was it was an early age kind of realization, but then I put it on hold for a lot of years. Um, When I was in high school, my guidance counselor in school played a tremendous role in my life uh, as not just a counselor, but also a mentor. And as I started making my way through high school, I realized not only was he was pouring into my life, but also there were younger people that just happened to be around me and for some reason wanted to hear what I had to say about certain issues and they felt safe sharing things with me. Uh, and, and I enjoyed listening to, to what they had to say and, and learning more about their stories. So as a high school student, I wasn't exactly sure what all those different sort of moving parts meant, but I realized, well, maybe it needs to be something and related to counseling or, or just something in the psychology world. But when I when I went home and and mentioned that to my parents, God bless them they did not really understand counseling at that time now they they later they later figured it out but immediately their response to me was, well no, don't do that. you'll be just as crazy as the clients. <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> Jeez. So, so being a being a relatively obedient high schooler, I, at least at young high school, I just thought, well, that, that must be true that you know people are crazy. You know, they they only have to be crazy to go see a counselor. Everybody else is fine. So I kind of just put that off to the side and uh, and still enjoyed playing a mentoring role to people through through college and. Uh, per, started pursuing a, a career in business, and I did that for a while. I worked in the corporate world, and uh, specifically doing marketing for a, a national corporation. Um, but then I just knew something something wasn't fulfilling. I was I was getting a paycheck, and I was everything was fine as far as just the circumstantial level of things. But just I knew something wasn't really clicking down deep. There was more for me. Um, and this was before I got saved, so we can get into that if you want as well. But but I knew that I needed to be doing something where I was pouring into people relationally. Um, so that's when I made the switch into teaching and coaching. And then after years of doing that, I would get student after student basically continuing that same pattern of sharing things with me and, and uh, feeling safe to, to ask for my opinion. And it got to the point where I thought, okay, I'm getting enough of the, these conversations to know that I better know what I'm talking about <laughs> when they bring stuff to me. So I decided it mid-career, uh, at age 31, to start into another master's. i had already gotten my MBA before, but mid-career went went into the uh, the counseling masters, and it was a, a slow uh, trudge through that curriculum. But here I am as as a counselor today, and I and I still continue to work with. Uh, both adolescents and adults, because I just love the variety involved.
1: Now, and Trey, you had mentioned about your parents being a little bit um, discouraging, not intentionally, but they didn't know any better. Um, where, and you mentioned about you're not being saved at the time. Now, were your parents saved at the time when you taught them about counseling? What were their What was their spiritual life like?
2: Yeah, we we were a, a church going family every week. Uh, I remember being dragged every week, even though I didn't want to get out of bed and go. And Dad would Dad would still make me go. And we would uh, we would pray together. Um, now, I cannot tell you one message, one sermon, one Sunday school lesson that I remember growing up. So. And I still don't know what to make of that, but I just know that I wasn't in any sort of relationship with God. I, I went to church. I followed most of the, the rules, at least the the ones that were written on the stone tablets way back when. <laughs> and yeah. and I figured, well, that must be what it is to be a Christian. I'm going to church and I'm trying to follow the rules. So I just kind of went with that. I, I didn't really ask questions uh, of my parents or of anybody in the church about, hey, is this all there is? Um. So yeah, long long answer to a short question. Yes, they they were saved at the time, but I don't think the church we grew up in really uh, delved deeply into things of the soul and and caring for the soul and and uh, those those beneficial relationships like a counseling relationship. hmm
1: And now today, are, are your parents on board with you doing being a counselor now, or are they still kind of yes, not was, really understand what you do? They they came on board
2: it it was it was a sweet moment uh my dad when i when i first started entering into the the grad school program i was able to share with dad uh this curriculum and and the stuff i was learning and i was able to share a book with him that really touched him and it, it it's long story short it it moved him to to the point of tears and and we really were able to uh discover together some of the Uh, some of the really just helpful information both spiritual and secularly that I was learning Uh, and then and then mom got on board as well but my dad passed away two years ago so to know that that I had his blessing both in action and in word uh man that I just can't say enough about how uh how just affirming that was to have his blessing in this before he passed
1: yeah, we had a guest, Trey, on, um, I guess it was maybe a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know exactly when your show is going to air, but um, he was talking about receiving the affirmation of the father and how important that is. And his dad, uh, similar to yours, had passed, was about to pass away and gave him that affirmation and then passed away the next night. And of course, he didn't know how important that affirmation was until his dad did pass away. And so um, I, I feel you in what you're, what you're talking about. Now, we're going to now transition and, now, and get into this thing called counseling, because I got to tell you, um, one of the most frustrating things I see as a, a ministry leader in working with men is men who are hurting and in and, and a need of healing, but never get the help that they need. And I was hoping that by bringing you on the show that, boy, we can hopefully bless and help a lot of men out there who just won't cross that line or just won't step out of that boat to to start the healing process because we know counseling is about healing. So I want to start by getting into this um, because typically when someone is struggling in their marriage or in their home or in their life in general, people seem to be quick to recommend someone seek counseling. Usually it's a female recommend that a male gets counseling. I'm not saying it doesn't go both ways, but typically it's um, a woman saying to another man, you need to get counseling. And they tend to have a, a little bit of a pushback. But personal opinion aside, I want to start with this, Trey. Professionally speaking, how do you know when you should seek the professional help of a counselor? Let's take women out of it and let's look at it for what it is. How do we know? How can we know when we need to really seek counseling?
2: I think a lot of it comes down to two questions. Mm -hmm. One, where are you in your journey? And if you can figure that out then the next question is how are you doing life isn't meant to be discovered you know there were there were some some basic lines of trajectory to to uh, for us to follow that, that god put us in here for so for example go take authority rule exercise dominion spread my image everywhere so we have a general trajectory and it's our job to figure out okay where are we in that general trajectory, where are we in the stages of manhood? And how am I doing in the stage that I'm in? Am I progressing? Do I feel like I'm growing? Am I being challenged? Or am I stagnant? Am I just kind of existing day to day? And maybe are there other issues that you know, specifically, I want to change and I've tried to change and I've made every promise that I'm going to change and it change just hasn't happened yet. Um, but even if there isn't that one particular issue that that you're trying to change,
1: I think the bigger picture is where are you in the journey and how are you doing there? But Trey, when it comes to that, that requires an honest assessment of yourself and an honest evaluation. What about what about if men are kind of like not how can they be honest with themselves to really see? Because, you know, a lot of times we like to think we're doing better than we think we are, because all you have to do is ask uh, a couple and you ask the woman, "Okay, if you rate your marriage from one to 10, 10 being the best, what would you rate your marriage? And ask the man the same question. Typically, the woman's number is going to be lower than the guy's (laughs) number Uh, because we tend to see it the way we want to see it. So how does the man overcome that when he thinks I'm fine? I'm okay, I don't need any help. How does he get past that to do a real assessment of knowing where he is in the journey, like you said, and how he's doing? Any any advice on that? Well, and part of it is
2: we men tend to be a little stubborn. Like you said, we sometimes have to learn the hard way. And God in his grace allows us some challenges and some uh, maybe some circumstantial wake up calls. And we're free to ignore them. But. The easier way through those would be to use them as the the alarm bell, so to speak, or at least the uh, the gentle ringing bell that says, "Hey, something something needs to be assessed here. Something needs to change." Even if we don't know what it is, but if we choose to to still remain stubborn, then sometimes we just have to get sick of the same old, same old. Uh, you know, there doesn't necessarily have to be an existential crisis like. For me, I didn't even know what I didn't know back before I was saved, and even after I was saved, you know, when I needed to seek counseling, I just figured, you know what? For me, the the issue was was pornography, or at least one of the many issues was pornography, and I just thought for a long time. I was I was looking back. I was just convincing myself and talking myself into the fact that, you know what? This is normal for guys. It's fine. Everything's good. So there was real no real existential crisis of like there's got to be more there's got to be more I just didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, Every now and then I'd have a sleepless night but I didn't know why. Um, My life wasn't a train wreck. Circumstantially it was actually a a good life but there are hints, there are uh, signposting things along our path that say hey there's more than just Getting your to-do list done. There's more than just your billfold or how you're doing on the athletic field or your job title. Um, so part of it is paying attention to the little warnings, and then when the when the pride comes into effect, then ultimately what we're talking about is fear.
1: Now, Trey, we had a guy on the show, uh, Robert Leatherwood, who talked about mentoring and about securing mentors, and he mentioned something that you just talked about about not knowing what you don't know. And he called that unconscious incompetence <laughs> of not knowing what we don't know. My thing is, and I think a lot of us as men, we can relate to that because we don't, I didn't know what I didn't know as a, being a husband and a father until it went crazy. Is there a way, how do you break through that unconscious incompetence to a healthy knowing so you can see the warning signs that like you said, and be aware, is there anything we can look for that could be telltale signs before it gets out of hand? Absolutely. Absolutely. That And thanks my hope is that any
2: man or any woman, but especially any of us men, that we don't wait for the huge crisis to happen. I, I would hope that we could get warning signs like uh, maybe other friends mention something to us. Maybe it's not even a direct confrontation, but just little comments here and there that a friend makes like, hey, is that is that what you always are like? Or maybe our spouse has been gently or maybe not so gently noticing some some ways that we interact with them that uh, that maybe aren't the most productive ways. But hopefully there are little warning signs. But ultimately, it's it comes down to knowing that there is a larger story than just my own life or just your own life. And if my life doesn't have any connection with the larger story, then that should signal a problem. Because ultimately, we were created to play a role in this larger
1: story. You know, it makes me think about the again the importance of being connected to a, a small group or a group of men. I'm talking about just for the men out there who are listening because they I didn't realize until you just said that that they could be like your um your I guess a thermometer to kind of give a temperature or where you are a measurement and can be aware of some of your blind spots that you may not see. And so that's another reason why I think we need to be in community with other men. And maybe that's why God made it that way, that we have to be relational beings because we can't always see everything. We're not all knowing. God is. But he's put people in our lives to kind of help us, like you just said, of spotting some of the warning signs. So I'm glad that you you mentioned that. Now, I mentioned earlier, Trey, that there's a stigma um, attached to counseling. But I could be being presumptuous and, you know, kind of just making assumptions because maybe things have changed over time. But you've been in the field long enough for over a decade do you think that there's still a stigma with someone seeking counseling or do you think it's gotten better? Why, why not? I think it is getting better.
2: I think there's more of a a conversation going on. There's a, a normalization happening. Um, there's plenty of work to be done, but I think one of the big reasons that that has been more normalized is it's men like you who are willing to be vulnerable, who are willing to open themselves up And just say, you know what? I don't have it all together. And I'm okay with you knowing about that. And the more men like you are willing to have those conversations one-on-one, typically, it just spreads almost like wildfire. Because if we see somebody that we know and respect on the outside, a lot of times we just assume, all right, that guy's got it all together. But if that guy's willing to drop the guard... And take the courageous step of showing who he really is, which, by the way, that's true courage, not just putting on the mask of having it all together. But when we see a man we respect, dropping the guard, being courageous, saying, hey, here's where I screw up, then we realize, okay, this is actually normal. It's actually okay for me to kind of show some some of the stuff that I try to keep hidden in the back room of my heart. So. Yeah, the, the individual conversations are huge. And I think, you know, a lot of times social media, even for all the evils that it can bring, I think it, it does give people a chance to uh, give voice to some of the areas that, uh, that they pursue healing or pursue growth. And counseling is one of those areas where, you know, if somebody posts something on, on Facebook mentioning their struggle and what they've done about it, then that, that does help to normalize it as well.
1: But you're saying that, that having that person who's being courageous to do it makes a huge difference if they're seeing other people doing it, and say, hey, if they can do it, maybe I can do it. And Trey, that reminds me of, um, I was listening to um, a pastor and he was talking about that he and his wife, and they've been in ministry forever. I'm talking about like 30 something years, but yet they were having some marital problems. And so his wife pretty much said, I'm going to walk out on you if we don't Get some counseling and a lot of men can relate that i've i've gone through that myself that that ultimatum we're going to get counseling or else and so he and his wife decided he didn't want to lose his marriage especially being a, a pastor of a large church they go they went to counseling but they went to counseling trying to keep it kind of under wraps they didn't want people to know what they were going through because they seemed to have it all together on the outside and so what would happen is the counselor will let them kind of ease in through the back door that kind of thing well one day in particular and they were being helped in the counseling but they still were trying to make sure that no one spotted them they were in the parking lot of the counselor's office and they ended up having an argument in the in the parking lot and the, uh somebody from their church came by and saw them arguing in the parking lot of this counselor and so of course they started to freak out they're thinking oh my goodness now the you know the old church is going to know we're having marital issues and that kind of thing but do you know, they said the people who saw them in the parking lot thanked them because one of the, um, the the husband was trying to drag his wife to counseling and she didn't want to go. But when they saw them in the parking lot and, and now they didn't know they were arguing, <laughs> but saw them in the parking lot saying, if they're here getting help, maybe we should get some help. I'm like, wow, how powerful is that? You know, And so from that point forward, they started being more open about their marital issues and they actually told the entire church. But they said that was a blessing in disguise. They said because after that, a lot of members in their congregation started getting healing. Exactly what you're saying, Trey. So, I mean, I agree with that 100%. Now, Trey, before um, we we get into um, some specifics about counseling, I want you to quickly give us, because I'm assuming now that the men are listening out there, some guy out there who's thinking about doing it, his wife has probably bugged him about it that i am thinking now that you said enough that to get him so you know what maybe i need to seek counseling but just in case he's still sitting on the fence thinking he shouldn't get counseling quickly give us what are the main benefits of why a man should seek the counseling and get the help that he needs well to answer that
2: i'd love to address a misconception about counseling uh Mm -hmm. and it kind of goes back to what my parents had told me back when i was in high school Counseling is not for the most messed up of society. Counseling right. is for anyone who wants to grow. So is and what I tell everybody is we all need to go to counseling. Think of it as just bringing your car in for a tune-up. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't drive your car around for 40,000 miles without changing the oil. So think of a counseling session or a series of sessions as just a tune-up. And going back to that direction of life, and the fact that life isn't meant to be just discovered, the fact that there's a path that we do travel, a counselor can help us kind of get our bearings. Uh, the the metaphor I like to use is and I tell I tell my clients this: you're the expert on your life. You know what do I know? Uh, okay, I know I might know a lot, but you're the expert on your life. I'm gonna be your your co-pilot, I'm gonna be sitting in the passenger seat next to you while you drive, and I'll just kind of shine a spotlight on certain areas and see if you wanna talk about those. But in general, I wanna help you figure out, okay, who are you, where do you wanna go, and who do you wanna become? Um, Because as we enter into new phases of our journey, we take on greater responsibility.
1: And I'm writing some notes down here, trade to myself, about because I, I like those questions. You said, who are you, um, where do you want to go, and what do you want to become? And so I guess, in a sense, it's having a paradigm shift, what you're saying, is that instead of saying, okay, I'm sick and I need help, no, um, I'm a tune-up and I can be better. And I can do exactly. better. I can run better. I can operate better. I can move um, more efficiently, I guess, so to speak. And so, because... It's funny that I'm talking to you about this now because I was one of those dudes who, man, you're not get me to go to a counselor. I'm not going to talk to a counselor. Nothing's wrong with me. Something's wrong with you kind of thing. And it took me going through hell. And like you said, you don't have to get to that point of desperation. But it's once I finally got counseling, man, I'm like, I'm just like what you just said. I'm like, wow, I should have gotten this a lot sooner <laughs> because it, it started making me realize that I had, like you said, those blind spots. And I remember one time uh, one of my counselors who I had seen – She had, um, I had told her about a revelation and an epiphany I had received about myself, you know, dealing with abandonment issues, um, you know, um, controlling. I was a very control oriented person, a control freak. And Trey, I can't even make this up. When I told her that, she shouted, Hallelujah! And I said, What are you shouting for? She said, Joe, I knew that. She said, I was just waiting for you to come to that conclusion. <laughs> and I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me? She said, Joe, my job is just like you said, Trey, is to kind of be your co-pilot, drive along with you, as long as you're not damaging anything, to help kind of, kind of lead you and guide you until you get to the point that you'll own it for yourself. And I mean, I couldn't thank her enough for being that person for me. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Now, Trey, let's get into now some of the, the particulars. We're going to assume now that the guys realize, okay, all right. Trey's right. I need to tune up. I'm not crazy. <laughs> you know. Um, I, I'm not this cuckoo cool person and, and everything. I just need to be better at what I'm doing. So Trey, what are some of the do's and don'ts when it comes to selecting the right counselor? Because you may want to get counseling, but you may pick the wrong one. So how do, what are some of the do's and don'ts in selecting the right one?
2: I think the one of the helpful steps is... Talking to somebody, if you're already plugged into a church or a small group, that is one of the best ways to get started because you can hear from people that you already know and trust. You can hear from them and and their experiences with specific counselors. So if there's a counselor that just really matched well with your friend and you feel like that counselor's personality might match with you, then you already have a, a level of comfort going into it. Um, so that's that's one area to start looking first. But quite honestly, I, I get uh, a lot of folks who find me through my website and don't know me. There are no connections that we have in common. They just they seem to get a general sense of what's on my site, whether it's my picture or whether it's my bio. But I think as, as people start looking at the websites of individual counselors, Some questions they want to start asking themselves are: Okay, number one, would I feel more comfortable with a male or a female? And that's going to be different for each person, depending on the circumstance and the person. But uh, after that, look to see what: How does the counselor communicate their vision? Um, Because some counselors do come at their their job from a perspective of: Okay, we are going to address the the problem and we're going to focus on the problem and we're going to really harp on the problem. But other counselors, and I'm, I try to be one of those other counselors, I'm saying, you know what? The problem's not really the problem. The problem is just really a symptom of a, a root and I want to focus on the solution. So some counselors on their websites are going to have language that speaks more to that about focusing on the solution instead of the problem. Because honestly, as as Matthew 6.33 tells us, essentially whatever you focus most on is what you're going to become like. So if you're spending all your time focusing on the problem, then you probably aren't going to be spending a whole lot of time moving toward the solution. And as you look at counselor websites, you can get a sense just of what they're saying that's going to tell you what kind of direction they would lead you.
1: Now, you mentioned, and because that's one of the next questions I wanted to ask you, you mentioned about being comfortable with male or females, that is a personal preference. So do you think, is there any cases where you think it's better for um, a man to go to a female counselor or a female to go to a man counselor or vice versa? Or is there really no distinction? It's more so just the comfort level. What's your take on it? It's
2: mostly comfort level. Um, I'd say probably 95% of that decision comes down to comfort level. Um, some men who have been betrayed by men in their past, they may, not, they may not be willing to trust a man right off the bat. So it might be a smarter move for them to sit down with a woman. Um, however, there are some issues that a man might be facing that he doesn't feel comfortable tell, talking to a woman about. So, But for the most part, it, it just simply comes down to comfort level and, and personality.
1: You know, and Trey, I did an informal survey in our social community and asking men about who do they prefer, a female or a male counselor. And I think I mentioned this to you at lunch when we had lunch that time, is that I was shocked that pretty much unanimously, um, except for one person said that they, they didn't, it didn't matter to them, they would take both, that um, majority of men mentioned that they want a male counselor. And I don't know if it's just the dynamics of our group, but based on what you're saying, is that not that's not necessarily true. It's just more so of the individual based on their past and their past experience with that particular gender or the particular issue that they're going to be dealing with, whether they feel comfortable. And I guess since I asked a question, I didn't put it out as an issue. I just mentioned male or female. And I guess everything being equal, they chose a man. Sure. But I guess if I had to put a specific topic or issue, maybe that number would have changed. But you're telling me based on your experience and what you've seen that it's really based on comfort level and issues. Is that correct?
2: It is correct. Yeah. And and I think, you know, maybe some of the reasons sometimes when a when a guy feels more comfortable with a male counselor is that there is just something to this need of the the affirmation of a father or a father figure like you were mentioning earlier um, so a lot of times when we go into counseling it, it is a little bit of a, a mentoring situation so it, it may just be part of that image as uh as just as guys we look for older or more experienced men to tell us how we're doing
1: now trey let's now assume that You've given us enough reasons to say, okay, this is why we should seek counseling. This is how we find the right counselor. Now, what are some of the biggest mistakes men make after they've agreed to get counseling, if they make any? Do you ever see that happen? You know, most of the time, uh,
2: the the men that, that I've worked with have been extremely open, and that's been the the main uh, uh, the main win for them uh, it's it's the ones who are sort of forced to come in that, that may not be as open off the bat so if if there's a mistake to be made I would say it would be a lack of of openness because you know here's the thing you're paying for it you may as well just, just go ahead and <laughs> yeah. be as open as you can <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah and I, and I think also the some folks not often but some folks come in expecting to get direct advice for example mm-hmm. Uh, one fella came in and, and told me a situation and when he finished telling me all the background he said, All right, now what should I do? <laughs> and I said, Well, wait a minute. <laughs> You're the expert on your life. I, if I if I'm gonna tell you what to do, if I mess this up, then it's gonna be it's gonna be on me and you'll be able to blame me. <laughs> so counselors are not are not advice givers for the most part. We are gonna help and uh, and just ask questions and take you through some processes and help you discover the truth and help you make the decision because ultimately we're trying to make you independent and whole instead of being uh i guess totally dependent and asking someone else to make the decision for you
1: so you're saying a lack of response oh i mean lack of response, lack of openness and expecting direct advice from the counselor any other things that you see that kind of really its ugly head when it comes to admitting counseling <laughs>
2: The other the other issue is is you know we guys are just impatient, you know? oh, oh, and okay. <laughs> so you know the mistake mm-hmm. would be there uh, connected to that is mistake would be all right well within all right two meetings everything will be good. <laughs> wow, wow, yeah. yeah. And again, this is this is the minority of the folks, but
0: mm-hmm.
2: but these are the ones that I occasionally do see. So uh, just giving yourself grace and understanding that growth is a process no matter what kind of growth we're talking about. Uh, You know, when I I played baseball growing up and I didn't just pick up a bat and immediately start crushing the ball. It it took some reps and it took some practice. And so the same thing goes on with our mind and our heart and our soul.
1: And Trey, that makes perfect sense. And when you said that, I'm like, ouch, because I know, um, as men, I'm I'm still impatient today (laughs) that you expect something that took years to to happen you expect it to be resolved overnight especially when you find yourself in a crisis when you're trying to save your marriage that's typically when you see that impatience kind of come out is that for years there's been no intimacy or you've lost lack and there's been a lack of trust. And then all of a sudden you get to this point that a marriage is about to end and then you go seek the help that you want. And you're thinking, how come she's not trusting me right now? How come she's not forgiving me? We're getting the help that we need. How come it's not fixed? And that's just not realistic. That's basically what you're telling us that it's not realistic. Exactly. <laughs> now, I want to ask you this. Um, and you mentioned about the patience now. So we understand we that we need to be more patient if we're getting that kind of help. But it gets to a a point that you're seeing a counselor. How do you know, and this may sound like a weird question, Trey, how do you know when to end the relationship with the counselor that this is just not working and I'm just wasting money or I'm wasting time and this is not moving us in the right direction? Are there any things to look for that we can save ourselves money and time when it comes to seeking counseling? Great
2: question. Great question.
1: Research has shown that rapport is the
2: number one determining factor of whether there's going to be success in the counseling relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you you might think that it's the technique that's being used or the philosophy that's being used, but really, almost any technique or any theory or any philosophy can help somebody grow, as long as they have good rapport between the two of them. So, if I'd say, if by the second session you don't feel like I like this person. I could see myself really trusting this person. Uh, then I would say go ahead and start seeking some some other folks because within that those first two sessions, those the goals of those first two sessions are ultimately to build that rapport between you and the counselor.
1: So you're saying even within the first two sessions you can you can tell already. I thought you were going to say something like maybe several you know seeing it for a couple of months or something. <laughs> so you're saying after the you can know that by the second session. Well, it's kind of like
2: when you when you meet a new person, just you know a potential friend. You know yeah, you yeah, you know get, within yeah. the first couple of conversations with a person, like yeah. okay, I could I could become friends with this person, or you know what he's a nice guy, but we really don't have any kind of commonality, no rapport, no. Nothing really that makes us sort of uh, want to hang out together. And I think you know, usually by the first couple of sessions with a, with a client that I've, I've been able to figure those things out as well. But however, a good counselor is going to be able to connect with you no matter what level you're coming in on.
1: Oh, okay. because because I was going to ask you a very tough question then. And and it's still I'm still asking you this question. (laughs) Let's say, for instance, and I'm just playing like, you know, for lack of a better phrase, devil's advocate now. But let's say, for instance, you meet the person. Right. And there's no chemistry or you don't see you're not building that rapport, even though you would like to. But you get a sense that this person really knows their stuff or they could really help me uncover some issues that I didn't know I had. So would you suggest still finding another counselor or um, being patient to work with them in spite of the lack of rapport?
2: Well, I think part of rapport is understanding, can this person help me or not? So does right. does this person have oh, the I background or the knowledge to help me? So uh, while, yes, you do need to like them eventually, even if you don't immediately become their best friend right off the bat, you need to understand that, OK, there's wisdom here. This counselor has probably seen plenty of people in my direct situation before. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you trust their knowledge and if you trust the experience that they're bringing to the table, then, yeah, I would say be patient
1: enough to allow the the more friendship aspects to develop. OK, and that, and that makes great sense. And Trey, before we kind of transition to the man up questions, I, I wanted to have I had one more question for you. And you and I think you kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier about you said one of the mistakes that uh, men make when they get in counseling is that they're being forced into it so they don't have openness. Mm -hmm. So I want to address an issue that I call it the elephant in the room because even though we're speaking to men out there primarily, I know, I know there's women out there listening to this. I know who you are. I know you're out there listening. (laughs) And so, you know, they think we don't know they're listening, but we know there's some women out there listening, but I don't care. But, But there is an elephant in the room that I know that if a woman was on the air right now, she would want me to ask. And it's this, what do you suggest when a couple recognizes that they need counseling, but one of them refuses to go. Mm. And wh- what can that person typically, I'm thinking, I hate the stereotype, but typically that woman says, but he doesn't want to go get counseling. What should I do? Because I this is for that woman out there who says, yeah, Joe, I even have your my husband listening to this podcast and he's not going. So what do I do as a woman if he refuses to go? And we know it's going to address some men's issues out there who know their wife needs counseling and she won't go. So what advice would you give that person Who's the Lone Ranger and they want to get help but they don't have Tonto riding with them.
2: Yes. Wow. And that that may be the hardest situation that we counselors deal with. When when you're talking about a marriage, you're you are talking about two people, but ultimately, at least in God's eyes, you're talking about one entity. The two shall become one. So when
0: right.
2: when one of the the partners is just refusing to Uh, saddle up as you as you mentioned there is no easy quick fix for that what we typically will tell our client because let's say in, in your scenario there's there's a spouse who's coming in in hopes that it will become marriage counseling but for the meantime it's just one spouse and the counselor what we typically tell that spouse is let's work on some some strategies where you can communicate to your spouse in such a way that they feel loved, they feel valued, they feel accepted no matter what. Mm-hmm. Because the tendency is that we're going to hold out those things until you agree to come to counseling. And typically, at least if 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 it's the man that's refusing to come to counseling, if one side, if the other side digs in their heels, we're going to dig in our heels too.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. But
2: if... If the spouse who is already going to counseling approaches them and says, "Hey, I love you. I respect you, and it's your choice to do this," we are we are much more willing to make a move toward change when we realize that the decision is fully ours. So, and without getting into too many details here, that that would be the general advice I'd give them. Is work work with your counselor that you're already seeing on ways to communicate that general message to your spouse. And eventually the hope is that they will experience such love and grace and respect and acceptance from you that they'll realize, okay, I want to do this for not just our marriage, but also for myself.
1: Uh, Trey, I like that. I I like what you just said there uh, because that's a great uh, mental shift of looking at how can that person who is now willing to get the help communicate uh, better, with the person who refuses to get the help because a lot of times you just want to throw up your hands. say they, They're a lost cause. There's nothing you can do about it. But I, I, I love that advice. That is great stuff, man. Now I, I mentioned that I had, that was my last question, but I lied. I got another question. And <laughs> <laughs> if, if this is more, and, and now, and men out there, listen, just forgive me for this. This is more of just personal curiosity, Trey. Um, when I, uh, one of my counselors, uh, the, one of the best counselors I I thought I ever had she made a statement to me and she had been in counseling for over 30 years. And you know, I don't—I doubt if she's listening to this, so I'm going to put it out there. But I want to see from your perspective, is, do you agree with her statement? She said in 30 years of counseling, she says pretty much she can predict when couples come to her for marriage counseling, um, the chances of their success. So I asked her, I said, how can you do that? She says, Joe, anytime a couple comes to me with conflict, I know that someone in that relationship is not submitted to Christ. Someone is not surrendered and submitted to Christ. She said, Joe, my job is to find out which one it is, because I'm going to have to appeal to that one, (laughs) right? Now, this is what she said that kind of blew me away. She says, Joe, if one of the um, members of the couple is committed and submitted and surrendered to Christ, there's a chance that marriage can be fixed. She says, Joe, if... Both of them are submitted and surrendered to Christ. It's guaranteed they're going to make it work. But she said, if neither one of them are submitted and surrendered to Christ, Joe, there's nothing I can do to help them. Do you agree with that statement, Troy? Wow, what a question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just curious, over all these, I wonder, is she right about that? Um,
2: Well, first, before I answer that question, one of the things I believe is that The amount of time it takes you to give an answer to a question is the exact amount of time you took to think about the answer. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) So if if we had all day for me to sit here and think then I'd love to give you a more in-depth and thoughtful answer, Um, Mm -hmm. I have to say that that her answer sounds generally correct in a big picture perspective, but Mm -hmm. I also kind of had something kind of raise up in me like, ooh, wait, because... It just isn't that simple when you're talking about right. two people, mm-hmm. um, and and I guess my question that I would love to ask her is how do you define submitted? Because I know for me, I can be I can move from a great experience with God where I'm totally submitted and worshiping and and just the the spirits moving through me to then, literally five minutes later. I can walk out and just be a jerk to my friend or somebody in my family. I'm like, so, So am I submitted or not? (laughs) So I guess in a way of answering, but not answering, uh, submission is important and obedience to the Lord is important, but I would also submit that we each have a role to play in a, in a marriage. And there's probably not one party that's, always guilty and the other party that's always submitted, so to speak.
1: Right. 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 Yeah. Because I always that that shook me to my core when she told me that and that my um, I surmised from it that she was saying the person who's willing to do whatever it takes and willing to do, you know, die to themselves mm-hmm. and say, OK, even though um, this doesn't make me feel good, but I know this is, is going to work out for God's good kind of thing. And so she's always looking for that that kind of that ray of hope that that person is willing to to kind of let go of their rights, so to speak, yeah. to do what's right for the relationship. But I would, man. But I think that's great how you broke that down because yeah, the real question is, what does she consider submission? What does she consider surrendering? you know so but anyway that was just my personal question today <laughs> this is so well, so but trey is now it's time man for the man up questions and trey uh, i told you these are just five quick questions starting with the letters m-a-n-u-p and they require fearless honesty and you're a counselor so you're not gonna have a problem with this <laughs> you'll be fearlessly honest with us so trey the question is are you ready man i hope so and we'll get started right after this short break and we'll be back with our guest trey tucker Do you know that no one has ever become a champion without a coach? Think about it. Any athlete who's ever made it to the Olympics, let alone won a gold medal, has ever gotten there without a qualified coach or a group of coaches. So if that's the case, if you're serious about becoming a champion husband, father, or leader, then my question is, who's coaching you? That's why I've officially launched the Real Men Connect 21-Day Coaching Program. My goal? To help you become the man and spiritual champion God called and created you to be. If you're going to succeed as a man of God, it's going to take faith, wisdom, and accountability. So you need a proven Christian coach, mentor, and teacher who's literally helped hundreds go from good to great God's way. I've been an award-winning educator for more than 23 years, and I've been coached and trained by some of the best in the country. So whether it's strengthening your faith, improving your marriage, growing your ministry, or even breaking an addiction, let me coach you for 21 days to help you finally get the breakthrough you've been looking for. Just go to realmenconnect.com or call 423-763-7675 for details. Availability is limited, but satisfaction is guaranteed. Man Welcome back, mighty men of God. We're back and Trey is ready to answer the man up questions. And Trey, the, we start with the letters M. And we're gonna start with M and the M stands for mistake. Now, Trey, we're gonna get you off, we're gonna put you on the couch now as a counselor, okay? So to speak. I know you probably hate hearing that, don't you, Trey? That people say the couch. <laughs> you probably don't even have a couch in your office, do you? Exactly. <laughs> but um, we're gonna put you in the the seat right now and we're gonna ask you some questions if you if we're gonna counsel you with the man of questions. And Trey, let's look back at your past. What mistake did you learn the most from as a man?
2: This is one of those questions that there are so many to choose from, it's hard to narrow down to just one. (laughs)
1: Uh, And you can always come back for more
2: sessions. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I would say the mistake of pornography would be Mm -hmm. the biggest one that I've learned the most from. Uh, From from an early age, I looked to pornography to answer the, the questions of manhood, so the questions that every man, including me, has and had in their hearts. Is, Do I have what it takes? Am I good enough? And for me, pornography just gave me immediate answers to those questions. Um, you know, uh, for me, it was, uh, you know, I, I got to admire beauty. I got to receive some gratification and I didn't have to risk anything. I, I didn't have to Potentially get rejected by a woman. I just got my all of the stuff that I wanted selfishly without having to actually give of myself and uh, So for for many years That was my routine and that was my source of identity so to sum up You know, I I don't know if you're looking for one particular moment in time or not but that
1: that part of my life was definitely the mistake that I've learned the most from all right, gotcha. And thanks for sharing that with us. Now, the A represents attitude. And we're going to kind of take the shift to focus on what you've seen it from the client's perspective. If there is an attitude, because you do work with a lot of men, you work with couples as well. But if you could change one attitude in men, whether it be husbands or fathers or just brothers or sons or whatever, what would it be? What attitude would you change in men? Attitude of, I got this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, we you mentioned the Lone Ranger earlier and and we as men we love the movie characters that seem to do this all by themselves like the lone the Lone Ranger John Wayne Rambo yeah <laughs> and so yeah. you know we, we see those messages in movies and in the media and we think all right well in order to be a true man I gotta do this all by myself and that's just that's just not the way life works that we're our story should get caught up into a larger story that's bigger than ourselves. It it needs to be so big and so vast that we can't accomplish anything alone because we have to do this together. We need, as you said, that we need the community and the companionship of other men, of other families. Uh, I mean, even, even Jason Bourne knows that he's not made for isolation. He he can he can do isolation, but it costs him something, and he knows that he needs people. So, the attitude of "I got this by myself" is is definitely the one I would change.
1: All right, that's good stuff, Trey. Now the N stands for next, and what's the next big thing you would attempt to do for God if you couldn't fail?
2: If I couldn't fail. I would, I would join the the issue of pornography with the issue of normalization that we talked about. Like I would love to make the issue of pornography or, or at least the freedom from it, a normal issue that we could talk about because Mm -hmm. whether it's inside the church or outside the church, that's just an issue that for some reason we just get too nervous and we don't want to go there. Um, So yeah, normalizing that conversation would be my next big thing.
1: Boy, I tell you, and I hope that day comes one day because I'm with you on that, man. That's just something that you cannot get churches to uncover. But yet I think the latest statistic that I heard that 70% of Christian men in the church struggle with porn. And most of us as Christians think that number is conservative. (laughs) So, which is scary when you think about it, seven out of 10 men. But yet it's not talked about seven out of 10 years in church, which is crazy. But anyway. Don't let me get on my soapbox. <laughs> now, let's go Let's go with um, the you. And the you represents, Trey, understand. When you were younger, and we're going to put you around 21, okay? What was the one thing you didn't understand about being a man then, but you understand now? For me, it took
2: understanding that literally everyone else is insecure too, just like me. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I walked around carrying my insecurities and hiding them and trying my best to cover them up. And if I could go back in time and tell my 21-year-old self this truth, is that we are literally, we are all insecure. So don't try to cover it up. Just a buddy of mine has a phrase that I like. He says, you know what, let's embrace the awkwardness. You know, we we all have awkward parts of ourselves. We all have parts that we may not be so proud of, but let's just embrace it. Let's all just drop the act, and that would have saved me a whole lot of time and
1: a whole lot of heartache, you know. And I think a lot of men can relate to that, man. I'm just, that's and I think that's probably one of the biggest revelations I received when I came out um, discussing my weaknesses and vulnerabilities. Is that I'm thinking, I'm not the only one, this everybody I know has something. <laughs> you know, I think what did I, I think I heard a preacher say once? He says, Everybody used to be an ex something. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what it is. You were X something, whatever you put the, whatever behind that X, but you were X something. <laughs> so Trey, here's the last question, man. And that it's the P that represents problem. As a mighty man of God that you are, and obviously you've been through a um a lot yourself. But what's the one problem in your life that you still struggle with, even as a man and even as a counselor, even today? I think
2: for me, it's it's healthy risk because mm. my tendency is to play it safe and stick to the areas that i know i'm going to succeed in stick to areas that are going to um, sort of build me up and and make me feel respected i I don't i don't want to experience failure but yet at the same time i I know i what i tell other people that are struggling with the same issue and, and what i need to take my advice more on is i'm only as good as my training it's like you know navy seals aren't impervious they they get killed, but they train in such a way that there's no distinction between live fire and training. So, so Trey, and I'm talking to myself now, Trey, train in such a way that, that I can take down obstacles, like ask, Mm -hmm. ask yourself to do hard things. Just don't shy away from it. You know, just there is, there are times when having hard conversations or, uh, trying new things or just taking risks in general that, that can really give me the, the training that I'm going to need to succeed in, in new challenges.
1: Well, Trey, thank you so much, man. You did a great job. That was awesome. And thank you for being so transparent and honest with um, our listeners. We really appreciate that. That's why we do the man of questions, because you're in a position where you're helping men. But men need to know that you're human, too, and that you are still a work in progress like we all are. And we're trying to be the man that God has called and created us to be, but we can't do it by ourselves. We need help. So, well, man, uh, we've come to the end of our show. I can't believe it went by so fast, but but don't you worry. We'll be back to do it all again next week with a new guest, with new insights and new lessons. So make sure you don't miss it. And I'd like to thank Trey Tucker for joining us today and for being so gracious with his time. Trey, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Joe, thank you. I had a blast. You know, and I, the time went by so fast, but Trey, quickly, because we're going to have you back on the show again, because I really want to get back into the issue we brought up before about church hurt and what you've seen from a lot of counseling with that. I think that's going to be a great show when we bring you on for that. But if our listeners wanted to find out more about you and get in contact with you, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you?
2: Two easy ways. One is my email address, which is Trey, T-R-E-Y, at com. So then the website is Cooperative dot com slash Trey. So it's either way you kind of flip it. Email Trey at Cooperative dot com or Cooperative dot com slash Trey. T R E
1: Y. Gotcha. And thank you so much for that. And we'll make sure to put your contact information in the show notes, and so people will be able to reach out to you anytime, any place, anywhere. And guys, to all of you out there, please do us a favor. And this is so important. Take about 30 seconds to go over to iTunes and rate the program. It's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears, and hearts of men just like you. I was just telling Trey when he came on the show that we just surpassed the 50,000 download um, points. So we're all excited about that. And we praise God for getting this information out to the hands, ears, and eyes of men just like you. So um, please continue to um, subscribe, download, share, but most of all, review to help us move up in the rankings. And please don't keep us a secret. Now, until next time, I'm Joe Martin, your man builder with RealMenConnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day choose to be the man God called and created you to be because a male is a terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and as always, stay in God's grip.
0: Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out RealMenConnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's RealMenConnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.